0: So all week in the Los Angeles elementary schools, particularly, uh, they had a coming out uh, week where LGBT lessons were handed out to kids. Kids learned all about sexual orientation and gender identity and expression. They learned all the, the gender vocab words.
1: Welcome to Coffee Culture and the Capital with Sophia and Greg. Hello everyone and welcome back. Um, Greg, what are you drinking today for your coffee?
0: Oh, decaf with Truvia and cream. Not very exciting.
1: exciting. I'm
0: I'm having too much coffee, too much Truvia. It's supposed to be better for you, but you know, once you get six or seven packets, I don't know. (laughs)
1: You need to do none of that. Plain black coffee is good, but mine is my usual, a dirty chai. But this time their pumpkin is out now. So it's a pumpkin dirty chai to celebrate the pumpkin season. But anyways, we have some exciting events coming up. If you haven't heard yet, we have our 20th anniversary gala coming up. You celebrate 20 years of standing and advocating for life, family, and liberty in California. And Greg, where are we having the gala? Is it up in Sacramento?
0: No, it's not. We are going down to Southern California, down by the beach.
1: Yes, yes. Orange
0: County, the OC as some people call it.
1: Yes, so we will be at the Hilton, Costa Mesa, Orange County, and it is November 30th. We would love to see you all there. Not only are we celebrating 20 years of what we've been doing, but we're going to have some fun different things going on, as well as our keynote speaker is Riley Gaines, who has been advocating across the nation for the protection and rights of women as men are trying to identify as women and be in women's spaces and all that craziness is going on. So go ahead and visit californiafamily.org so you can get more information, you can get your tickets as well as we have a free event next week, an online webinar. And Greg, can you talk to us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, it's um, we are going to take people uh, on a trip to the Capitol and teach people how to lobby, teach people how the system works. It's, it's a basic course for those who think the Capitol is all complicated and how does it all work? Well, we will explain all. And hopefully what this is going to do is make you feel comfortable, more comfortable with getting involved with what we're doing on a regular basis and encourage you to call your legislators, have an influence on what they're doing. Um, Help us be a watchdog because we, you know, we're, we're doing our best up here, but we need more eyes.
1: Exactly. So you can visit californiafamily.org backslash capital 101 to sign up. Or if you're on Instagram, go to our Instagram bio. There's the link to sign up there. And we will see you all on the webinar. It's next Thursday, October 19th. It starts at 7 p.m., you're going to hear from Greg on it. You're going to hear from one of our dear friends, Penny, who's a public policy analyst. Um, you're even going to hear a special special message from um, former state senator Melissa Melendez. So join on to hear all that and a time for Q&A. But that's enough for the events that are coming up. Let's talk a little bit about what's been going on, Greg. Today's the 13th. So tomorrow's October 14th, and October 14th marks the last day that Newsom has to sign or veto bills. So why don't we go through some of the bills he has signed and vetoed since our last podcast?
0: Yeah, let's go through some of these. Um, We have some good news report and some bad news. Uh, So let's, why don't we start out with a a good news, right? Uh, One of the bills that uh, the governor has vetoed. And shot down is SB 58, uh, legalizing psychedelics. Now this is something that, uh, Senator Weiner out of San Francisco has been trying to do for years. You know, he originally introduced this bill, uh, three or four years ago. Uh, and the list of psychedelics he wanted to legalize for, we're not just talking about legalizing them to help people with, uh, medical issues. We're talking about legalizing it for recreational use right? LSD. Now, LSD has quite the reputation, especially from the 60s. This is a drug that would induce people into hallucinating, sometimes jumping off bridges. Uh, People do all kinds of crazy things when they're on this drug. Uh, And he wants to, wanted to legalize it, but uh, the governor has issued a veto and more or less he said this. He, uh, in his veto message, he said, you know, I'm, I'm open to the idea of having psychedelics being used to help people uh, that are suffering with certain medical conditions, but he said that this bill was going, didn't provide any regulated treatment guidelines, which means there had to be no medical clearance or doctors involved just to make sure that, you know, somebody with underlying mental or psychosis uh, was not given the drug, right? And so that's a, a, a major rebuke to what Senator Weiner has been doing. Um, his last, you know, he wants to eliminate the war on drugs and he was starting with psychedelics. So we'll see what he does next year. He'll probably come back with some um, desire to just do it for uh, medical reasons, but he's skipping the whole pharmaceutical uh, system and, you know, so we'll see that bill back. Now, uh, why don't we start with uh, another bill that was bad news, right? We'd been talking about this bill affecting school boards, uh, the kind of curriculum that they could approve or disapprove. And so this bill was AB 1078. It was introduced because some school boards were pushing back against what the state was trying to do. And they didn't want to implement curriculum that had a lot of critical race theory in it. Uh, They were rejecting uh, curriculum with Harvey Milk treated as a hero. Uh, Well, this bill was introduced and now it's going to be illegal uh, for a school board to get rid of any curriculum that is considered uh, dealing with LGBT issues or any type of critical race theory. Um, So, so it really is an attack on local control of what a school district can do. And so, uh, and also the school districts, um, the superintendent uh, of the state and the superintendent in, uh, a, a local County now has the oversight of an individual school district to make sure they have enough LGBTQ books. And if they don't think they have enough, they can buy them and force the school district to pay for them. So, that's a big blow but I, I do want to make sure everybody knows that you can still oppose books uh, because of pornography of, or sexual content in them and that's what a lot of parents have been doing around the state but what's happened is m- many of those books with the pornography in it are also LGBTQ books and so that's where the battle is going to come down to they're they're gonna say hey you're trying to Violate this new law, and and we're going to say no. We're we're against pornography, no matter what kind of book it comes in. So, why don't you take one of these bills? So that's we can go through some more, but I'll let you go for the next one.
1: Yeah. So another one that was a horrible bill, and unfortunately, um, Governor Newsom signed was AB 230. We have been talking to you all about this bill on podcasts since. Who knows how many months ago we've been letting you guys know about these bills um ab230 what it does is it makes it so that there is free menstrual products in um school bathrooms third grade and up but the catch is is that it's also in boys restrooms so there has to be free menstrual products in at least one boys restroom at all of schools for third grade and up So that's already an issue as it is, because men don't menstruate, boys don't menstruate, so they don't need those products in their restroom. That's a waste of money. It's pushing a gender ideology on these children. But the thing is, is they also say, okay, it's third grade and up. Well, how do you control, like, when you go to these elementary schools, there's not a bathroom that just only third through fifth graders are allowed to use. You know, a lot of these schools, first graders are using the same bathroom as the third grade boys. And so now first graders, potentially even kindergartners, are going into the restroom, seeing these menstrual products, and then are wondering, why are these in here? And, you know, if they go home and ask their parents, their parents might give them the right answer of, you know, it's for girls, you don't need them at all, like, I ain't explain that, but if they go to their teacher and ask, there's potential that their teacher could then say, well, you know, when you get a little bit older, you might have a menstrual cycle, and all these things to these little boys, so it's just pushing so many awful things in the school system, which is kind of, you know, we're seeing that happen in all different kinds of ways, um, they they're coming for your children. Honestly, is what's going on here. And so, unfortunately, that was signed into law. We fought that one hard. Um, we think we're going to see a similar bill, but for we saw a similar bill earlier this year. Um, SB fifty nine or uh, yes SB fifty nine by um Nancy Skinner, but it was for not just schools. It was for all state owned buildings. Um, that turned into a two year bill, so we'll be fighting that next year. But I think this one's even worse because it's in children's schools and, you know, they figure if they can come for your children and get to them, then they don't need to worry about getting to you.
0: Yeah. All right. Here's another one. Uh, AB 665. We call this the state sanctioned kidnapping bill. This is one of the worst bills that uh, Governor Newsom signed this year. Um, What it does is it It enables uh, a 12-year-old, any kid 12-year-olds and up can now uh, decide all on their own that they want to go to a residential center run by state money um, for any reason they want. There used to be a stipulation, there had to be an accusation of abuse, or the kid was in danger of harming themselves, so it was, you know, to provide some place for a kid to go on a uh, you know emergency basis now a kid can go for any reason he wants so once your child turns 12 your school counselors your school teachers can convince uh your child that you know you're dangerous parent and why don't you come to this you know shelter and we what we assume this is going to be used to Further erode parental rights, but it it, and for a teacher who says, you know, who's trying to transition your child secretly at school, and the child is worried that the parent isn't going to be on board. It wouldn't take much for a teacher to say, "Well, if you think your parent's not going to be for this transition you're going through, why don't you come to the LGBT, you know, home that we got set up, and you'll have lots of support there." Right, and the parent won't know where the where in the world the kid went. I mean, so that's what we call it kidnapping, because <laughs> that, because you know, it's like somebody pulling up you know to a park and say, "Hey, come in this little come in our car, little kid. We got some candy for you." I mean, it's pretty easy to manipulate a 12 year old um, And so that bill passed uh, despite all of our lobbying and warning, um, and so that's a real concern.
1: It's probably one of the worst bills we've ever seen Governor Newsom sign. Honestly, the attack on parental rights and the negative effect it's going to have on children. And it doesn't even have to do... I mean, obviously, the bill is created around LGBTQ children, but like it doesn't even necessarily have to do with that. A child could go to school one day and say, I'm mad at my parents. They took away my phone, and now they're not going home, and their parents don't know where their kid is and they're being sent somewhere else. So it's a really scary thing that that was signed.
0: It was. All right, another one. Um, hey, the, we had some good news. We were fighting a bill that was going to put free condoms into all your high schools um, and free condoms into junior highs as well, uh, free of charge, because the state doesn't quite know what to do that we have in sexually transmitted infection epidemic going on right now, right? All, all their efforts, you know, and they put together, you know, five, six years ago, this Healthy Youth Act that was mandating comprehensive sex ed in all the, all the schools, all the junior high and high schools. And that was good. Why would we do that? Well, because kids, there's an epidemic out there and there's all these transmitted diseases, and they just need more information, right? Well, uh, it, as a result, more kids are having sex, with more and more partners, right? And that's the breeding ground for sexually transmitted diseases. The more kids are having sex with more and more partners, the disease spreads, right? And so they're, they're trying more condoms, that's, that's their answer. And so Governor Newsom vetoed it, we were sort of surprised. Um, But he didn't actually say he was, you know, particularly against the condoms, he just said it wasn't uh, in the budget. So in which I I have a hard time understanding, but whatever reason he came up with, that's what he, maybe, uh, yeah, so he, maybe he, didn't think he could defend the condoms for uh, junior hires, although he's gonna have to defend, you know, tampons for third graders, that's gonna cost a bunch of money too. So who knows what his thinking is, but uh, that's what he decided. And in one last bill regarding parents, uh, this is another bill that the governor vetoed that we were actually very surprised about. It was SB 596, SB 596. This is a bill to put a chilling, um, we called it a, a chilled speech. Uh, it stopped parents who were speaking out uh, at school boards by saying that it was gonna be criminal if you said anything um that caused a teacher substantial emotional distress or made them seriously alarmed now you would think well why should teachers you know shouldn't teachers be protected from being seriously alarmed well the problem is what that those are vague terms right and how do you know if what you're saying is going to seriously alarm a, a teacher right or a school board member and so you know, what this really was is to keep parents from speaking up, right? They're speaking up, they're, they're getting too emotional, and they need to stop, right? And so Governor Newsom, to his credit, said, you know, that this, is, this bill uh, was only going to put more gas on the fire, right? It was going to be perceived as stifling parents' voices, perceived, Right. And so and then he said something that I, I found that, that was it warmed my heart what it did. It said that we need instead respectful conversations and more protections for the constitutional rights of all people, especially for those whom we disagree. That's coming from the governor. <laughs> so, OK, when the governor says something I agree with, I am going to cheer him on. So, exactly. That's what free speech is for, our, you know, those voices whom we disagree. They they should be able to stand up and and speak their their uh their opinions in public. So, good for him. And so he vetoed that bill. So, that was a quite a slap down. Um were there any other bills we were going to talk about?
1: Yeah, there was AB 576 and Governor Newsom, he also vetoed that bill. That was a bill we um actually testified in opposition to twice in committee hearings. It was by Assemblymember Weber. And what the bill was going to do, it was going to um, have medical insurance cover abortion pills, so medication abortion up to 11 weeks of a pregnancy, where right now it covers up to 10 weeks of a pregnancy. And there's a lot of issues with this. One of the major issues is, obviously, we don't want to <laughs> extend uh, abortion medication being covered, but also um, the assembly member who did introduce this bill, she really pushed back on some other bills um, and other comments that we've made in the past saying, well, these things aren't FDA approved and all that, but abortion medication isn't FDA approved up to 11 weeks. It's only FDA approved up to 10 weeks. And the reasoning is, is because it gets unsafe and unsafe for the longer the pregnancy is. You know, at 10 weeks, they actually, they used to, women used to have to go in get the ultrasound and make sure they were 10 weeks or under to take the abortion medication, which is obviously harmful no matter what, but it has puts the woman and the mother's life in less danger. It's in danger no matter what, but less danger, less um, situ- bad situations coming from it if it's 10 weeks or under. And they wouldn't do anything above that because it could put the mother's health at risk and a lot of bad situations could come from it. And so now she wanted to put it to 11 weeks. And so... Governor Newsom vetoed that bill. Kind of similar thing. He just said it was um, unnecessary and not needed. So um, he obviously didn't veto it because he thinks abortion medication is wrong and not because of all the reasons we were against it, but we still celebrate the fact that it was vetoed. So right. a win is a win. We'll take it. <laughs> and that was all the bills I have. Greg, do you have any else left? Or is that-
0: no, if you, if we, could, we could spend all day talking about all the bills that went through. Um, there was a lot of other uh, – and so please go to our website. We're writing articles about these every week uh, to get a complete update. We just highlighted the most um, egregious ones and the ones that are worth celebrating. So please go to our website, californiafamily.org, and we're writing about this stuff every every week. So
1: Yes, and to kind of now go back to the bill that you were talking about that Newsom vetoed with the school boards, Greg, or with parents coming and speaking at school boards – you know, we um, have been really paying attention to what's going on at the school board, especially with the parent notification policy. So two weeks ago, I went down to the Fontana school board for their meeting. Um, Some of the people in the Fontana area in that um, district, they asked for the parent notification policy to be put on the agenda. And the board chose not to. And there's a bunch of stuff going on with that. You know, apparently the Fontana school board, if a parent comes and asks for you to place it on the agenda, they have some policies that state that they have to. So there's a whole behind the scenes stuff going on there. But because they chose not to place it, um, I went down on behalf of CFC and spoke at the school board meeting. And so we'll show you guys that. But again, you'll see in the school board meeting when I'm speaking, I'm just not crazy or anything like that. I'm just saying the truth. But you know, if Newsom didn't veto that bill and some school board was mad with, member was mad with what I had to say, then they could potentially use that bill against me. So thank God it was vetoed. Um, in the beginning of the video, you'll see I kind of talk about this whole Latinx thing. So just a precursor to that, during the school board meeting, they were announcing that they were celebrating um, Hispanic Heritage Month. And you know, when I was growing up, they always just called it Hispanic Heritage Month. It was never Hispanic slash Latino Heritage Month but now they're saying Hispanic slash Latinx because they're trying to, first of all, erase how our language works in the Hispanic community. You know, we say Latinos or Latinas, the whole language is gender based when we talk about different things. Um, so they're trying to erase that. Second of all, they're adding the X to say, oh, you can be whatever gender you want. And third of all, there are stats that show only 3% of Hispanics are okay with people using Latinx. And so it's really frustrating when people that aren't Hispanic are trying to change our language. So that's why that was touched on in the beginning, just to give the precursor. But we will check out the video. I am Sophia Lori and I am the Outreach Director at California Family Council and first off I am Latina. Earlier this meeting you referred to my heritage, my culture, and me as Latinx. It is a lie to say this. We are Latinos and Latinas. My grandfather who was born and came here from Mexico is Latino. You cannot deny the truth. Second, It is a shame that the parent notification policy is not on this agenda. The policies of school districts should acknowledge and respect the fundamental importance of parents in the upbringing of their children. A student's right to privacy should not be considered superior to parental rights and neither federal nor state laws prohibit parental notification. In fact, Supreme Court rulings such as Meyer v. Nebraska and Pierce v. Society of Sisters have consistently upheld the rights of parents in matters related to the upbringing and education of their children. We also know that parents' fundamental rights and liberty interests to oversee the care, custody, and control of their children is protected by the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. These freedoms include the right to direct their child's activities, make decisions regarding their child's care, and control their child's education, health, and religion. You as a school board should strive to uphold these essential principles for the well-being of our children and the future of our great nation. And if you choose not to, You are at risk of being sued and you will lose. Spreckles Union School District located in Monterey County reached a $100,000 settlement with a mother who alleged that her daughter was socially transitioned to a boy without her consent. Mm -hmm. Jessica Conan's 11-year-old daughter Alicia was convinced by two teachers at her school that she was experiencing feelings of distress because she has not yet discovered her real gender. Then the school permitted her to utilize the boys' restrooms, referred to her using male pronouns, and facilitated a social transition. Conan initiated legal action against the district for socially transitioning her daughter at school without her consent or approval. And she won. Thank you.
0: There you go. Good job.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And you know, we've been talking about these parental notification policies that we have been encouraging Around the state, it started out with uh, Assemblyman Bill Assaylee trying to introduce a bill, uh, AB 1314. And the, 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 the law was simply this, that if a kid is publicly asking to be referred by the teacher and everybody else has a different name and pronoun, he wants to use a different bathroom or a different sports team from their sex, then they have to tell the parent. Right. And so it was a simple policy that the state uh, government up here in the legislature refused to even have a hearing on. And so since then, we've uh, with a big coalition uh, of various parental rights groups have encouraged local school districts to implement this policy. And we have about six or seven that have introduced various versions of a parental notification policy. And so hope we hope uh and pray that this continues to spread um we do have the attorney general like suing uh, chino valley uh there's a hearing coming up on the 19th where he is saying that you know this particular policy violates the state constitution's right to privacy that five-year-olds have a privacy right from their own parents like little kids which is ridiculous and everybody knows it, but they're going to try and defend that. And we all, but we also have a federal case down in Escondido where a federal judge has said the exact opposite. The parents must be involved in their kids' lives and you can't keep secrets from them. And that's, that is generally the policy that a lot of school districts are, are doing. They're secretly transitioning kids, just like it happened at that one school district where the mother found out and she sued and she won a hundred thousand dollars. Um, so anyway, this is kind of exciting, um, and uh, we hope uh, this this fight's very much worth it. And mm-hmm. so, Sophia, you did a great job representing uh, the coalition and us and uh, all those parents out there who want to be involved in their kids' lives.
1: Well, thank you. And it's like you said, this is a fight worth having. It's a fight that I believe will win because truth will prevail. So we need to just keep pushing through and not – that um the attorney general tried to scare us or try to scare school board members from taking up this policy and with that there's some other stuff that kind of went out um at schools this week greg in the la county um or the la unified school district at elementary schools wasn't there
0: uh it just seems it never ends Mm -hmm. so this week um is coming out week um so all week in the Los Angeles elementary schools, particularly, uh, they had a coming out uh, week where LGBT lessons were handed out to kids. Kids learned all about sexual orientation and gender identity and expression. They learned all the, the gender vocab words. Um, they learned about pronouns. Um, and we wrote a story about this and kind of gave all of the details We got a hold of the curriculum, we pointed folks to the website um, uh, that the school district has put out to explain all the indoctrinating information they're giving out to kids. And so it's, uh, parents need to be aware of this. And what we were encouraging parents to do during this week is pull your kids out, right? This is harmful stuff to have your kids to to endure through, you know, it's going to put every kid into a quandary. Like always trying to assess what gender they are, right? Instead of being confident in their their gender and sex that their biology tells them they are. Well, this is
1: happening in elementary schools in kindergarten through fifth grade. And I just don't understand how we got to a point in society where the most important thing about someone is their sexuality. Why is it that these children are going to school as five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds and being told it is coming out week. Come decide what your sexuality is, what your sexual preference is, all these different things. That just, no matter where you stand on this issue, you should be against that because are you kidding me? Why are they not being told? The most important thing about them is how they treat others and who they are and what about their insight and their personality and all these things. And I mean, we should be teaching them that they get to be dentists one day or doctors or astronauts. What happened to that? Why is it now, hey, you as a five-year-old, what is your sexuality preference? Who would you like to sleep with? What gender would you like to be with? Like, how have we gotten this lost in society? And we're already seeing the negative effects play out from this. But we're going to continue to see it because I don't especially these young girls. Like, my heart breaks for these little girls that are being told the most important thing about them is their sexuality and their sexual preference and who their partner is and all that. And no, it's go to school and learn how to read and learn how to write and learn about history and learn about science. And in third grade, say that you want to be a scientist. And in fifth grade, you want to be a dentist. And all, like, that's what school is about. And it's just, it's gone. I'll get off my little monologue now, but it's just gone completely sideways and it breaks my heart for the innocence of these children, let alone the fact that we have the stats that show the younger ages that these children um, are introduced to this pornographic information, sexual information, all of that. It sends girls into eating disorders. It sends girls into um, relationship issues. It sends guys down pornography addictions. We literally have the statistics to show how horrible it is to be introducing this information to children at such a young age. There's a reason that you can't go see a rated R movie with sexually explicit materials at six years old. And yep. yet we're going to talk to them about schools. Okay. I'm off my little, off my little model. All right, parents,
0: you know, we, we keep a warning parents about this and you're thinking, it's not in my school. It's not in my school. You know, you're responsible for your own children. I mean, they're yours. God gave them to you to protect to raise, to train, and if you're going to give a public school the uh, authority to um, teach them, you know, there comes a limit, right? When they start teaching them things that are going to do them harm, uh, you got to make a change. And I know it's it's hard for parents, especially parents who, you know, can't afford private school or homeschooling just seems like an unbelievable, you know, barrier. but you know, these are your kids and, uh, they only get one childhood. And so look, make sure you know what your schools are doing, call them up, right. Talk to your teacher. And if they, and if they, uh, are teaching this stuff, ask for the kids to be removed, keep them home. Mm-hmm. Right. And if they won't listen to you, you know, you got to make a decision about what you're going to do. Yes. You, and- you just can't, the status quo can't keep going.
1: No, and we could sit here for hours and hours and telling you guys about all the awful things that are going on at schools right now. You know, there's some good things, but I'm just saying there's that many crazy things going on in this upside-down world. But um, as you guys are all familiar with, there has been a lot going on in the news with Israel. And um, the other day, the California Family Council president, Jonathan Keller, He was on a webinar with Family Policy Alliance, um, Pastor Greg Laurie from California, um, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, where it was a call, um, a prayer call and a prayer webinar. So CFC was a part of that, got to spend time in prayer for Israel. But we just really want, you know, there's a lot of information going on out there. So we want to just kind of talk to you guys a little bit about what has been said um, from our California legislators so here on the screen, you guys can see um, the California Legislative Jewish Caucus, who um, the co-chairs are Senator Scott Weiner and Assemblymember Jesse Gabriel. And then Senator Josh Becker is the vice chair. And so you guys can see that they put out a statement in regards to all this, where they said, we are heartbroken and horrified by the devastating terrorist attacks against Israel. We have visited the Israeli communities that have been ravaged by indiscriminate killings and kidnappings, and many of us have friends and family in Israel who are huddled in bomb shelters with their children amid ongoing rocket attacks. Nothing can justify this brutal and grotesque violence. Israel has the right and responsibility to defend its civilians, and we are grateful to the many American leaders, including President Biden... Vice President Harris, Senators Alex Padilla, and LaFonza Butler, and members of Congress from California who have spoken out clearly and unequivocally in support of Israel at this difficult moment. We are praying for the safe return of hostages, for healing and comfort for the thousands who have been wounded or have lost loved ones, and for the peace and security we stand with Israel.
0: Yeah, that's that's encouraging that folks that, you know, I know Senator Weiner, we, we rail on him a bunch, Uh, But on this issue, he's Jewish himself and he is standing up against what uh, Hamas has done, even though, you know, some in his party, uh, the far left in his party are in support of Hamas amazingly. Or they, you know, they, you know, they simply say, well, this is no different than what Israel does, which just seems preposterous uh, on its face thinking about the horrific thing that happened in Israel when the Hamas, you know, flew in with their guns on, you know, these gliders and it was, it was horrific. So um you know it's it, it's just interesting to see the response here. Um but <laughs> I also know uh uh that Senator Wiener also uh he didn't want to let anybody know that he was on the side of Republicans or especially on anybody who was make America great again Republicans like MAGA Republicans. So he put out a crazy tweet <laughs> to put to make sure everybody knew that that doesn't mean he's, you know, turning Republican. So mm-hmm. I know you're going to pop that up and show it.
1: yeah. You can see it here on the screen now. It says, let's be clear. The Maga cult is supporting Jews at this moment because they hate Palestinians even more than they hate Jews, but they'll turn on the Jews in a heartbeat if the mothership signals a moral panic that Jews are groomers who want to steal their children, eyes wide open. And when I saw that tweet, again, we just, we just read from the Jewish caucus, the great statement that they put out and... Senator Scott Weiner, we disagree with him on a lot of things. He's been putting out a lot of great statements on the situation that we've actually been in agreement with. What's happening in Israel is absolutely horrible. And this tweet was very difficult to see come from him, to watch him turn what's going on into using it to advance his political agenda. It's just absolutely heartbreaking. We... It, no. it just, first of all, I don't know who he's even fully all referring to when he says the MAGA cult. I think he's trying to wrap, wrap Republicans in that as a whole. But Republicans, we're not, if you're a Republican, it's clear that you're not standing against this because you hate Palestinians more than you hate the Jews. It's because you're able to see that this is a horrible thing and no one should support the raping and killing of women and children and men.
0: Yeah, I know this is stressing to everybody uh, what's happening. We just need to continue to pray um, for wisdom. uh, Pray, you know, this Hamas is so devious, hiding among uh, the population there, many of those innocent Palestinians, right? And how they're going to get rid of them without hurting innocents is going to be really difficult. So um, we just need to be in prayer, um, and trust the Lord, um, and, and ask, uh, him to guide our leaders as they go forward.
1: Exactly. It's, it's a good reminder that we need to be praying for our nation. We need to be praying for the world. We need to be praying for government and all those things at all times. Um, but with that, that is all we have for you guys today. But also go to californiafamily.org, sign up for the newsletter, stay on top of what is going on. We are constantly pumping out as much information as we can to you all. And you can visit us on social media. We're California Family Council on Instagram, and we're constantly putting updates on Instagram, what's happening in California and across the nation and across the world. So Go visit there that way you can get information on all of our events and we will see you guys next week on the podcast but we're also looking forward to seeing you next week on the capital 101 training and then in a little over a month for our gala
0: sounds good adios